Hello, wonderful people. You found your way to Truth Lies Shenanigans, the live show. This is season two, episode seven. I go by the name Neo Nix, and it's January 24th, 2021. For today's show, we have a very special guest, musician and comedian Nikki Yee shares her unique style of musical comedy that comes with a heavy dose of social commentary. She'll be performing her <laughs> single, Dear John Smith, from her EP, The Key of Ye. Also in Hot Topics, Lizzie is talking about the Brits up in arms about Biden's removing Churchill's bust from the Oval Office. Yanni Storm tells us about Elon Musk's $100 million prize for carbon collection technologies. And with Kamala and Obama making first in the US, Robbie is asking if it's time to finally have an indigenous person as governor general in Canada. So, should be a great show ahead. Before we get into it, let me introduce you to our wonderful hosts, our professor, writer, editor, journalist, and all-around sports guru out of Washington, D.C., Liz E. Enders. What's up, what's up, everyone? Happy Sunday, fun day. Hopefully you had a nice, quiet, even-keeled week because we have a new president in this country. Um, it's, been pretty, again, it's been pretty quiet here in Washington, D.C., except for classes. My classes started on Friday, so I'm back to losing my head every day. Five classes, Howard University, what's up, what's up, what's up? <laughs> and our very own rock star with the amazing rock band Fallen Machine, coming to you from Sudbury, Ontario, Robbie Rock. So what's up? Happy Sunday, fun day, everyone. Hope everyone is doing well and everyone is happy and healthy. It's, uh, yeah, there was a lot less crazy in the news uh, in this last week. It, uh, I felt good. I felt good. It does feel good. It does feel good. A lot less crazy. All right. And streaming out of Atlanta, Georgia, our model, actor, college student, Gianni Storm. GG. Hey, everybody. Hey, hey guys, I'm really excited to see Nikki's performance. I, I know you guys are going to like it. You're going to cut up to it. And I hope you I hope you have had a great week so far as well. I know that there hasn't been as much political craziness, but if you're into like entertainment news and celebrities, there's been drama this week. So. And shout out to everybody on TikTok too. Yeah, you're the one who found uh, Nikki Yee actually. So yeah. We're... We appreciate you bringing her on, inviting her on. So, all right, let's uh, let's go. I have a I have a quick fire question for you guys. All right, guys, lawyers for terrorists who attacked the Capitol are mounting a defense. The defense is Trump made me do it. So my question is, to you guys, is this a solid defense or you call him BS? <laughs> let's start with Lizzie Enders. Bullshit. You know what? I just bought a new purse, so that's going to be my excuse for my bank account. Trump made me do it. Robbie <laughs> Rock? Oh, it's bullshit. You're, it's really it's their very own freedom to make a series of bad decisions that made them do it. Just own it. <laughs> exactly. Johnny Storm? Um, bullshit. If Trump told you to jump off a bridge. <laughs> Exactly. If Trump told you to jump off a bridge, would you do it? Some like, of them would. No. Some of them would. If you're a guy and Trump told you to sleep with your mama, would you do it? Some would of them actually it? would. Yes. 
<laughs> so here, here's my answer. Here's my answer. <laughs> I'm gonna blame Canada for everything. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that, that, that's my that's my answer. We're gonna blame Canada. <laughs> Points for Neo. Points for Neo. Shots fired. So do any of you believe this defense will actually work? And if it does, what does that mean for Trump? I think if the defense does work, it lends credence to the indictment towards him that he did, in fact, incite the mob. Because if that defense were to hold, then it's one he's 100 percent responsible for it. But I don't think the defense will hold. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say, I think in some respects, it's kind of working a little bit. I saw an article from the Washington Post this week, where the Department of Justice and the Capitol Police are trying to decide whether certain insurrectionists, certain rioters should even be charged, because they're using the claim that um, the DC jails would be overrun if they charged everyone. When did they use that excuse for black folks? When did they use that excuse for minorities? Oh, we're not going to charge you for this petty crime because the court systems, the jails are full. Because Obama but made me do it. Obama made me. <laughs> <laughs> you, <laughs> all right. So you think it's going to um, hold up, Gianni, the defense? Um, I don't think it's going to. I don't think that's a good enough defense. I mean, it is. It, it, I know that they're like they're finding some Twitter like some tweets that he had and they're like extracting some things that he said that could be like obvious, but I don't I don't think it'll hold. I don't know. That's a good. Question. I don't think it'll. I don't. Think yeah, I I don't either. I mean, I I don't think it'll ultimately hold. But if it if it did, it would be great because I think it would uh negatively impact him actually. I think. Uh, yeah. you know. I think they're turning on Trump because they didn't because Trump didn't pardon him. Oh, pardon them. Pardon. They didn't pardon any of them, so yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely turning on them. All right. So if you've never been to TLS before, let me tell you a little bit about us. Our hosts will be sharing their truths and opinions with you, calling out the lies, and pointing out those ridiculous shenanigans going on. And we always try to have fun with shenanigans of our own. Our show streams live just about everywhere, YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, Twitter, at TLS Live Show, and this season we are streaming on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitch TV as well. So again, TLS Live Show across all those platforms. Invite your friends to hang out with us and listen in. Also, make sure you subscribe to the audio replay of the podcast on iTunes, Google, Alexa, Pandora, iHeart, you name it, you'll find us. Watch or listen, just search Truth, Lies, Shenanigans. All right, let's jump right into it. We have a very, very special guest today. Today's spotlight is on Nikki Yee. Welcome, Nikki. Welcome. How are you? I am well. I love the picture of me. That was really cool. <laughs> I'm glad you. <laughs> I'm glad you like that. I'm glad you like that. So just to let you know, Nikki Yee got her degree in radio and television from Ryerson, Uni Ryerson, 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 Ryerson University. Is that from Canada? Robbie would know who that is. <laughs> and she it's led to work on several uh, film and television productions, including The Art of the Steel, uh, After the Dark, Maps of the Stars, 
feature films are House and The Journey is the Destination, and her current work as an associate producer on History Channel's Ice Road Truckers. But outside of producing, Nikki is an accomplished stand-up comedian and folk musician. She released her first EP, The Key of Ye, a collection of comedic protest songs in 2019. In her spare time, she enjoys dance, singing karaoke, and practicing Krav Maga. Did I say that right, Krav Maga? Krav Maga. Krav Maga. Got to emphasize the ah. Okay. (laughs) Nikki, thank you so much for joining the show. So, Nikki, tell the audience a little bit about yourself, something we haven't already said. Wow, yeah, I know. I feel like that's that like we covered so much of it. Um, I, I produce movies, I sing, I do pop music as well. Um, I guess that's the one thing we missed was my newest song is called Radicalize, available everywhere, just like your podcast and show. Um, thank you. It is socialist pop music, which is hilarious. <laughs> Socialist yeah, pop music. I've watched your I've watched your couch concerts and you're a blast. How'd you get into comedy? What was the catalyst to combining comedy and music? Well, I was a singer for a long time in my life. I was actually, the first thing I ever did in my life was I was a child model. Um, and the Ooh. first thing I actually did was I modeled a two-piece swimsuit. So I'm technically a former bikini model. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because I used to work for Sports Illustrated. And so maybe we can get you into the swimsuit issue. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> work which is how I did producing and but I always had this singing talent I always had this performing talent so I started doing stand-up comedy and I always appreciated people like Bo Burnham or Flight of the Concords who combined comedy and music and I was like well I actually have all these skills and there's to be honest not too many female musical comedians out there and especially women of color musical comedians so I thought it would be you know, nice to go and represent the girls and uh, and get my point of view out there, combining all my talents. So, yeah, my next step will eventually be to do interpretive dances because that's my other talent. So, um, nice, yeah. nice. Just all right. Now, I, I just want to start right out. You were going to perform one of your singles from your EP, uh, and it's available on Spotify. The key of ye. Yeah. Um, you're performing Dear John Smith. So let's uh, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and play that. Yes. So I uh, I would like to do a little intro let's if that's okay. okay. That I usually do when I'm on stage at live shows, but I haven't been on one of those in a year. So um, <laughs> <laughs> right. So I so this is my live show now. So I'm gonna play a song I wrote for you guys, and it's called Dear John Smith. And I was inspired to write this song because I'm kind of like a hippie 
SJW protesty type person. And I'm always walking around yelling things like, fuck the police and fuck the patriarchy and down with the white man. But I have this problem where I also crave pink dicks. So what do you do? When you're down with the white man, but you could also stand to go down on the white man. <laughs> so between that rock and hard place where I just love being so much. Have a little bit so y'all can see me. And here it is, dear John Smith. And I want to dedicate this song to all the white men in the world. And I hope you all go and uh, read a fucking book after this. <laughs> I go around and claim I'm woke But my taste in men is kind of broken SJWs, please don't have a fright But I want to get with someone white So colonize me, daddy Now you get it? <laughs> I'm sure Rob knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> 
say that. Comments online. Kevin Thackeray said, "This is hilarious. He'll friggin' hilarious." Thank you. <laughs> Jose says, "Yes, a fellow Canadian and Ontarian." That's right. <laughs> Mike Winter says, "I love Vancouver." Ernest Cooper says, "Colonize me, Daddy." TLS men. I said, "Mommy." I just want to point out. I said, "Mommy." <laughs> Okay, you can who well you can say whatever you want, you know. It's a slide. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great, Nikki. That's great. So that you said that's on Spotify, right? It's on Spotify, it's on iTunes, it's on Apple, it's on Google, it's on Amazon. You can make a TikTok to it, start a viral dance, it's everywhere. Oh yeah, okay, so you got the sound. Oh, we should, yeah, we should probably do a TikTok to it. <laughs> we should probably do it. I would love to see it more Nice. I'll definitely Donnie's do that. Donnie's gonna do a TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Donnie's always doing a TikTok. All right. So let's get to some of the questions. Lizzie Enders, you have a question for Nikki? So in terms of writing, like what when your songs come out and people start to analyze your lyrics, what has been the pushback? What has been the response? So I kind of get two groups of people. There's the groups of people who are like, I love this. I understand this. I've had some poli-sci professors come up to me and say, this is actually how history went. I know that you went to school. And I'm like, I did. And then I get the other side, which is really like um, kind of fratty white dude bros who are like, why do you hate white people? So (laughs) (laughs) that would make sense. <laughs> I don't hate white people. I'm asking you to colonize me, Daddy. Yeah, there is exactly. I'm like, hey, is your name Dylan? Because I am there, sir. Like, I'm <laughs> but um, you know, it's also funny because um, I I do get some 
people who are like, oh, and they're usually people of color and they come up to me and they're like, yeah, I, I like white guys too. I don't know what to do. They're just so cute though. So, <laughs> I've dated my fair share of white guys, let me tell you. Um, and I do yeah. hate white people, but I think, you know, in some instances we need some humor to get us out of this funk, to get us out of this, you know, adversarial, I hate you, I hate you, you hate me, let's fight, where do you come from, you don't belong here. So yeah, I see the humor in all of it. Um, I might not say colonize me daddy though, I might not say no, <laughs> But I understand the humor behind it. And even from even looking at the comments that we have, you know, it's funny. It's funny. So that's a good thing. Thank you. Yeah. And it's also, I'm someone who I, I have my beliefs, obviously, as we can see in the music, but I like to approach it with a sense of humor because I don't want my beliefs to own me. I don't want them to spike up my cortisol and turn my hair gray and I'm losing sleep over everything that's happening in the world all the time. Because, you know, you can't fill others' cup from your own empty cup, you know? So I feel like humor is a good outlet that can bring people together and we can just let out some of that tension that is everywhere. And understandably so. So, you know, that's where I like to approach it from. I don't feel like I serve my community better when I'm... If I was trying to educate people or something, it's much easier for me to communicate with people through jokes. So yeah. <laughs> so this is not a, this is a show, one quick one quick thing, Robbie Rock. Um, this is a show that doesn't really use like the D word that much. Like we don't say dick a lot. We say. I don't know. You said it a lot. You said it a lot last yeah. week. <laughs> last show. Anus. Anus. Expecting you to say when you took that pause. I was like, you yeah. say the P word. That's P. I said politic, though. So that was P. It was just a <laughs> different P. Word. P. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, your next word could be politic. Politic. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. I've had some, like, I've definitely had some audience members, they're like trying to fill it in and they're like, oh, this? And I'm like, girl, I wrote the pause in, okay? Don't help me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I know what I'm doing. I performed this a zillion times. <laughs> so, Robbie, Rob definitely, yeah, helpful audience I'm... members. I love that you bring in comedy with the social uh, social justice message uh, with the education piece. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Um, from a technical side, I'm curious how you came about your uh, musical and vocal skills. What kind of training you've received? Well, I'm self-taught on the ukulele. So I, yes, so that's why it's kind of bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I'm sure you I mean, you're, you're, you're the rock, you're the, you're the guitarist. Is, she's pretty good, right? I enjoyed it. It was for a live performance. It was wonderful. Absolutely. I feel like when I watch ukulele experts and then I look at myself play, I'm like, oh, it's kind of bad. But um, but I'm sure, yeah, to everyone else, they don't notice it because really also um, the ukulele more substitutes the, the, vo like the voice and the words. So I, I'm not trying to be amazing at it. And um, I did about eight years of vocal training from the ages of 11 to 
18 or so. So basically through junior high to high school. And I also studied musical theater when I was in high school. I went to an art school. <laughs> so um, I have quite a bit of training there. I always studied, though, pop, rock, I studied jazz singing, I studied musical theater singing and folk singing, so mm -hmm. you won't catch me doing opera, she's a pure alto, but um, but yeah, so that's my musical training, and I still try to supplement it all the time, I'm always, even before this show, I was warming up, I was doing like Me Mamo Moos, <laughs> and I was doing and all those things you know yeah. <laughs> so i still take my my uh, vocal craft very seriously even though it's comedy so i appreciate you asking me about the music because i do love that part of it <laughs> before before we get to gianni storm's questions vanessa g says i knew the 1942 reference and i'm canadian right <laughs> yes vanessa. <laughs> vanessa has read books Vanessa's a high school history and civics teacher. Oh, so she would know. <laughs> hopefully she so hopefully she knows the bullshit behind the 1492 reference as well. Like, you know, I like got it too. I don't. Sure you did. I don't know sure why I did. Sure out. you did, Rob. I, I got it. <laughs> colonize me, Daddy. Colonize me. <laughs> <laughs> Neo can't sing it, but he'll speak it to me. That's I'm flattered, bro. Go figure. Go it's figure. A version. It's a spoken <laughs> word edition. Spoken word version. Nothing in Robbie Rock's ear. Gianni, what was your question for Nikki? Oh, um, my question. Is, I have two questions. Um, I feel like. Uh oh, a little technical. I think we're losing her on her sound. Really? Try, try again. So right now you're good. Okay. Can you, you guys can hear yes. me? Yeah, we can hear you. Go ahead. Okay. So my first question, Nikki, was where do you see yourself as far as your talent and what you have going on, like in the future, whether that be five years, ten years? Um, yeah, that's my first question. Where do you see yourself? Oh, okay. This, now I feel like I have a. It's a job interview. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so it's funny. I, um, you know, I. If you had asked me this question prior to the COVID lockdown situation, I would have, uh, because also part of it is that I'm a producer and a writer and all these things in the film world. So I would have probably seen myself translating some of this to perhaps a sketch show or a podcast or a something, a TV show of sorts. Um, now I that everyone's plans have been blown up, my New Year's resolution is just to kind of see what happens. So <laughs> I'm, um, I, I feel like because in a way with everything that's happened with COVID, is everyone's in the same place. Everybody's at home. You know, everyone is just staying where they are. We're not necessarily looking to branch out so much. So I feel like in five, 10 years, I just hope that I'm happy and I'm healthy and I'm doing something I love. That's the best thing. So I have a question about Ice Road Trucker. I know you're a, a producer on Ice Road. I, I'm curious. I mean, there's some cold places. I watched it. They go some cold places. I mean, are you out in those places? 
I don't have to be, thank oh. God. Um, it, <laughs> it is in, actually, I think originally it was filming in America, so I'm assuming it was like really? Alaska or something. Okay. And then when we got it, we started shooting it in northern Manitoba and northern Ontario. Um, but I have to say the unfortunate thing is with climate change, they it's not as easy to film. There, the window is closing, so... Mm. Uh, please, everybody, uh, believe that climate change is real. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about that in one of our hot topics in a minute. Yeah, so, uh, it, but I don't have to be there, and I wouldn't want to be there. Um, but, you know, the crew uh, and the drivers and everything, they are very brave, and I applaud them for being out there. Awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. Awesome. So, unfortunately, we are out of time, but are there any last words, any shout-outs that you want to share, anything you'd like to say to our audience? And, of course, you know, let them know where to find you. Well, yes, I'm available on all the platforms i'm on you know instagram and tiktok and twitter and facebook and youtube so you can just type in nikki Yee or nikki Yee post show which i'm sure is highlighted on your pages as well and you can follow me i do couch concerts we do sketches i do all kinds of fun from home i make being at home really fun and if there's any shout out i could give it's every just wear a mask, please. Take care of each other. We are vaccines are coming. We're almost through this. So, you know, please don't have parties. Just stay home and take care of each other and think of your grandma. And if not your grandma, your grandma's friends or anybody who is compromised, they really had to suffer through this. So yeah, I, I just implore everybody to wear a mask. Absolutely. All right, guys. So don't forget. Check out The Key of Ye. It's streaming now on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube, and a few other places as well. So check it out. And thank you for joining us. Now, Nikki Ye, you agreed to hang out a little bit for our game show at the end. I will be back for the game. I'm so excited. Awesome. And thanks All right. for having me. Thank really you. Fun. Thank you for joining us. All right. So we're going we're gonna to wait for you in the game. It should be a lot of fun. So we'll see you then. But thank you for joining us. Thank you. That was awesome, huh? It was awesome. Nikki, it was fun. <laughs> I just need her, I just need her to put a little bit of bass in her voice when she says her handle, her hashtag, Nikki Yi Fo Show. Oh show. Fo show. At Nikki Yi Fo Show. Let them know, girl. Let them know. <laughs> All right, yeah, let's get into it. our hot topic. Truth, lies, shenanigans. Our hot topics, each of our hosts brings a hot topic they want to share with you. We'll ask if it's a truth, lies, shenanigans, and our panel will talk about it for a bit until time is up. And then we'll go to our audience for questions and comments. So make sure you're talking to us in all of our threads. We're going to listen to your comments and questions. We're going to share, and it should be fun. All right. So, Liz E, let's start out with your topic. There's a big old controversy with these busts in the White House. Is this a truth, lie, or is this shenanigans? Busts. It's shenanigans. And we're not talking about, like, you know, good busts, not the booba busts. <laughs> we're about, uh, you know, actual ceramic busts that, you know, people, little statues and things like that. Um, the Brits ought to be ashamed of themselves, especially after all the love Americans have given them over the show Bridgerton. So the day after, well, after um, Joe Biden, President Biden, um, 
inauguration last Wednesday, he got to work in the White House in the Oval Office. And one of the first things he did was remove a bust of Winston Churchill from the Oval Office. Now, for those of you who are not that familiar with Winston Churchill, he was the the former prime minister of the United Kingdom of Britain led them through um, World War II. Both he and FDR kind of worked hand in hand during World War II. And so he is seen as probably one of the most famous Brit outside of the monarchy, but also he's like the great white hype in Britain, okay? And so for whatever reason, the Brits use that as a, a um, idea, they have this idea that we owe him some type of homage, some type of, you know, flair here in the States. And so the bus that was in the White House, it's been there for several decades. It's actually on loan from Britain. Mm -hmm. um, so when Obama took office in 2009, January 2009, he took the bust out of the Oval Office, replaced it with a bust of Martin Luther King, Jr. But he didn't take it out of the White House. He just put it somewhere else in the White House. And even then, the Brits had a fit. Like that, like that Brit fit. And so back then, current um, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson, back then, he had a lot to say about um, Obama removing the bus from the Oval Office. So he said at the at that time in 2016, um, 2017, he was the mayor of London. And he wrote in a piece, he said, the Park Kenyon Obama may have removed the bus because he harbored an ancestral dislike of the British Empire, of which Churchill had been such a fervent defender. So for whatever reason, these people the Brits really have their panties in a bunch over Winston Churchill and this bust. And so it made a lot of headlines in Britain on Thursday, on Friday, about how we snubbed the Brit, how Biden snubbed the Brits, how, you know, the new administration is ungrateful, that they need to go and brush up on their history a little bit about who Winston Churchill was and what he meant to not only Great Britain, but to the world um, moving forward, trying to um, defeat Hitler during World War II. So my question to the panel, first and foremost, is this a, should this be seen as a snub? Is this a big deal? Would it have offended you? Let's start with Robbie Rock. Yeah. I see it as uh, it's a transition. Canada was a British colony, right? Yeah, and actually, uh, with my story, we still have some ties to the crown. Yeah, I was still, say to the queen. You have the queen on your. Uh, you still have the queen in your currency, correct? Um, yeah, absolutely, we do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I I don't see the removal of the bust as a snub. It's a transition. It's time for change. And I he replaced this with uh, Caesar Chavez, if I'm not mistaken. And Chavez has been really an inspirational individual uh, as far as supporting low-paid farmers, workers, those who are seeking better living conditions. Um, and I think that that's more representative of what America needs right now. Is, and I think it's more in line with what Biden's values are as opposed to supporting a wartime president or prime minister who was great in his own time, absolutely. But if people are that upset about an artifact that is on loan, then return the artifact. Yeah. Right. Um, 
I feel like I I wouldn't consider it a snub. A snub is something that's kind of like like a snub at the Grammys. It's like the artist deserved it, so they're kind of like saying that it deserves to be there, but it's on loan. So I just feel like they're taking it personal. Not all of the Brits, also, um, Liz. I know it was like the right winged. I didn't even know that was a thing in in the UK too. Like there's a whole different side, but it's only certain um, political people in Britain, the UK that feel that way. Um, but I think that it may just be a personal thing. I de it's definitely not. Um, it de it definitely isn't a snub. Basically, I think that the Brits are kind of. They're melodramatic, especially in their tabloids. Like, you know, if you sneeze the wrong way, it makes the oh, front page true. of yeah. this tabloid. So, Nia? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, first of all, who are they to say where we're supposed to put anything anyway? Um, but if I'm being honest, is this is just stupid. People looking for something to complain about. I mean, yeah. there's so many more important issues that we need to address. Um, I mean, who honestly cares about these busts anyway, other than apparently the Brits? You know, uh, now back when Obama took over, I get it, because, you know, it was something to talk about when he replaced it with MLK. I mean, on both sides, there was something to talk about um, because of the significance of the change. But with COVID, people dying, Trump era over, I could care less about these stupid busts. If I'm being honest, he could move the bust anywhere he wants. I mean, he could put it in storage. He didn't even do that. I, I don't know. Did he put it in storage? Do we know if he put it in storage or it's still displayed, right? I think like Obama, he just moved it to another area within right. the White House. Yeah. Who, who, yeah. Who's, who's to say what he need, he's supposed to look at every time he's in the Oval Office? If he wants to look at Cesar Chavez for inspiration, why can't he look yeah. at Cesar Chavez? <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> who are the Brits to say what need, where this bust needs to be? I mean, it's not like when they gave the bust away, they said, hey, we're giving you this bust so you can put it in the Oval Office. If it's not there, we're going to be upset about it. But really, who cares? <laughs> that's hot. What are your thoughts? Liz? Yeah, and maybe that's not Biden's like hero. Like Maybe he wants to be inspired by something else. Uh, that's he does his, his important work. So if he doesn't want to see Churchill, so what? I mean, personally, yeah. two things. One, I think, like I said before, I think the Brits have a lot of nerves, um, even if it was just a small faction, but it still made a lot of headlines um, yeah, in London. Um, but I think, you know, they have a lot of nerve. If you brush up on your history a little bit, the Brits burned down the White House in 1814. So you should be um, thankful that we even, we even no. have. Yeah, I'm no. sorry, you burned down the White House in 1814? Yeah, we the Canadians did that under the British flag. But we did that. So, but it's okay. Again, we love the we love the way you repainted it. it the white is beautiful. Can we, can we get that blame Canada? Oh, you got it. Yeah. Where is it? Okay. But no, but. If you if you go no if you go back to history, Rob B, the there was a night in 1814 where the British um, took over Washington D.C. and they burned several government buildings, including the White House. Um, and so, one, they, in my opinion, we shouldn't be hyping them that much. But let's talk about Winston Churchill for a second. Yeah. Winston Churchill, I've always been fascinated by the idea that. Americans in particular find him to be this great iconic figure. 
Winston Churchill was a racist. Yes, he led through, he led Britain, Great Britain through World War II, which, mm-hmm. you know, as the prime minister, he's supposed to do. He's supposed to protect his country. However, he hated black people. Mm-hmm. He hated Indians. He, yeah. And when I say Indians, I mean, you know, people from the country Indigenous? of India. Oh, he, oh he, India, okay. He hated Indians um, from India. He hated other Asians. And so let me just read you a couple of quotes that um, Winston Churchill made about people, non-white people in other countries. So at one point he said that he hated people with slit eyes and pigtails. So I would imagine he would have been, would have been talking about at that time, um, people in the Chinese government, in, in China particularly. Um, to him, people from India were the beastiest people in the world next to the Germans. He admitted that he did not really think that black people were as capable or as efficient as white people. So in 1943, when then U.S. Vice President Henry Wallace challenged him on that notion, Churchill, who, you know, was a big drinker, so I'm not going to fault him for being a drinker because some of us like, you know, to taste vodka or bourbon or whatever. We're not calling names. We're not calling names. But he said that he... He said, why would he apologize about being a great Anglo-Saxon and having superiority that with that superiority, superiority that they were better than the common non-white man? So I, I always, you know, when people try to hype up Winston Churchill, I'm always fascinated by that. I'm like, well, maybe they just know about um, his wartime presence. World War Two, but they don't know about this other side. That's not to say, that's not to say that there haven't been racist U.S. presidents, because we all know there have been. There have been U.S. presidents, our founding fathers owned slaves, but we are in the 21st century now where we are calling these people out. So to hear a lot of Americans, you know, hype up, um, I believe John Harbaugh, University of Michigan football coach, hypes up Winston Churchill whenever he gets a chance. And I'm like, so I guess you're not going to have an Indian football player on your team, huh? <laughs> All right. Liana Jones says, teach, Liz, teach. Uh, George Fournier says uh, to Rob B, uh, as far as the Canadians, we sure did. <laughs> Take it down the White House. <laughs> we have we're together with the Brits. Rob B, why we have you on our show? Why, we blame <laughs> Taking you. Taking down our White House. Because I'm your token Canadian that you can blame. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I, have to copy, I have to for one of the future shows. I have to um, give Neo a copy of the Robin Williams performance. I believe it was at the Oscars when he did Blame Canada. Because um, that was the first time. I didn't really watch a lot of South Park back then. But that was the first time that I saw it. And I was in tears, cracking up laughing. <laughs> Uh, Mike Winter says, also, the right-wingers lost their mind for Chavez and said that he should have an, um, uh, that instead Biden should add an American hero. Um, I guess they consider Churchill's whiteness American. But those same right-wingers will be the first to put on a sombrero and have a beer on Cinco de Mayo. Not even knowing the true nature or what the history of Cinco de Mayo. So y'all can shut it too. Y'all can shut it too. Pick up Evan, a damn book. Kevin Thaxon said Margaret Thatcher is way better than Churchill. <laughs> Interesting thought. All right, so that's it for that hot topic.
truth, lies, shenanigans. All right, Robbie, you wanted to talk about adding some diversity to the Canadian le leadership. Is this truth, lies, or shenanigans? Uh, well, this is some truth. Um, this is some truth after coming on the tales of some shenanigans. Uh, so I guess we'll start with a quick history civics lesson. Um, in the U.S., the head of state and the head of government are one and the same, the president. In Canada, the queen is represented by the governor general. Uh, it, it was represented by the, the governor general is the head of state and the prime minister is the head of government. So the governor general of Canada is mostly a ceremonial position with very little power. Some of the duties include swearing into office the prime minister, the cabinet ministers, chief justice of Canada, uh, summoning, proroguing, dissolving parliament, delivering speeches from the throne, uh, signing into effect official documents such as orders and councils. So really it's a lot of ceremonial stuff in the seat of power. We have had numerous First Nations uh, representation as, as elected officials at the provincial and federal level, but never as the governor general. Now, the reason we are without a governor general right now is because Julie Payette uh, has stepped down on January 21st amidst allegations of bullying, harassment, and creating a very toxic uh, work environment at a federal level. So just had to walk away. So uh, on screen, thank you so much, uh, Neo. That is uh, Grand Chief Arlen Dumas of the Assembly of uh, Manitoba Chiefs. And he's gone public saying that he wants to see a First Nations person replace Julie Payette as the Governor General. And the reasoning is that such an appointment would pay respect to the spirit and intent of the treaties between Canada's First Nations people and the Crown. Um, so my question to my co-hosts is, should Justin Trudeau appoint a First Nations person as the next Governor General? Start with Johnny. Yeah, um, I feel like I understand that it doesn't hold a lot of power, um, but I do feel at the same time that it's a respect thing, it's an honor thing. Um, I know that also, it's kind of, because I know that also in the article it stated that maybe that Canada isn't really ready for that because maybe it's actually sending the wrong message and kind of showing this illusion of progress or some something like that, so to speak. So I can understand that, but I feel like, well, that, is that not part of the progress is to put somebody in that position? And although he doesn't have the power to take people out or change laws or anything like that, it's like maybe that influence is giving somebody who else, who, uh, other indigenous people, some type of inspiration or some type of confidence to actually affect law and do things like that. So I feel like, yeah, why not let them, you know, hold that position? You, you make a great point because even if, if it's false, you know, um, representation, it's still the visual representation of someone in that position is valuable in itself because, you, like, if you look at, um, for example, Kamala uh, Harris being the VP. When young girls see that, that's a significant thing to them, even if it were just if she never becomes president, if she never becomes president of the United States, just the fact that she's in that position still gives young women, young black girls, young Asian American girls that hope or that, that inspiration that they can accomplish. Um, so I, that was a great point, Johnny. Um, now, just, so. Just well, go ahead. Go ahead. One minute later. 
Well, I mean, if you want to talk about what she just said, go ahead. Well, I was just going to counter that point with Kamala Harris is qualified, though. Like, I wouldn't want there to be a a black VP just for the sake of having a black VP. That's not representation. Um, And so I I appreciate that, you know, even when Biden came out, actually, and said, one, he was going to pick a a female VP. I kind of had an issue with that. I did, too. Because I was like, you know, we don't want participation trophies over here. Mm -hmm. If it's a qualified female VP, absolutely. But if you're just, you know, um, filling the position because you're posturing, you're, you know, you're just trying to seem like, okay, I'm pandering to the female audience, then we don't need that. That's not representation. So yes, Kamala, love her in that position because she's qualified. That would be my my position for if this were an appointment in Canada that had some weight, I would say yes. Um, I, I don't have a problem with picking someone from the indigenous community as long as they're qualified. And I'm sure there are tons of qualified people from that community who could serve in this position. But don't throw people a bone. People don't want to be thrown a bone. Um, that's 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 patronizing. It's offensive. And like some people say, it makes people give people a false sense of security. Okay, so we put a Native American um, in this position. Maybe they'll be quiet. Maybe it will pacify them. Maybe they will shut up now. That's not what we want. You want someone in there that is that has merit and that can do something. So yeah. So to answer your question very quickly, Rob, yes, I do think it's a good thing, and hopefully in the future it will lead for it will lead to consideration for people who have experience from that community to be considered. That's that's what we want. That's what we want. I like Daria Winner's response to you, by the way. He said, but he knew women who were qualified for the position before he made the announcement, which makes sense, actually. Um, but, I mean, yeah, he knew women who were qualified, but so to he knew just he was going to pick a qualified woman. He just was saying that I'm going to pick a woman. What if there was a more qualified man? What if there was a more qualified black man? We've never had a black male vice president either. I mean, he so, did box himself in, and I just personally didn't like it either at the beginning. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm happy with the, you know, with Kamala as our VP. Um, but like you said, I, I just, I don't like those type of statements, especially since I think Biden was pandering. Right. I think he was pandering to the community. All right. So, so Robbie, my answer to the question. So if the numbers are right on Wikipedia, there are just under 2 million indigenous people in Canada. And although there... You know, although there wasn't the same level of like genocide that there was in America, there was certainly a massive effort to assimilate and eliminate the culture itself. Um, now, personally, I think diversity should exist everywhere. You know, it's frustrating that even in democracies, we've been in the habit of giving power to white males throughout history. Um, you know, granted, historically, white males have effectively denigrated everyone else, again, historically, um, to the point that other groups have historically accepted themselves as inferior. Um, you know, it's great that upcoming generations and current generations are seeing through the facade. But when we see Biden diversifying his cabinet, you know, making the statement that power and capability does not and should not depend on the way you look, you know, I think other countries like Canada should definitely take note of that fact. You know, 
I understand Lizzie's counterpoint that we just don't want anybody in those positions. But the fact remains, there are qualified people for those positions if we're looking for those qualified people in those groups. But we've eliminated those groups for so long um, that we can't even find. You're not even. You're not find, They're not finding them because they're not really looking where they are. Um, and then, of course, they've been a lot of those groups, even indigenous groups, have been held back. So, you know, the qualifications are, you know, there's fewer qualified people because of, um, you know, a lot of the problems. No, RB, I know you didn't get to really respond to your own question. So about 30 seconds. Sure. Um, so, yeah, naysayers will say that it is a token position with all the symbolism and none of the power. But like you've alluded to, representation is key. And having the ear of those in power should not be dismissed. And it can yield significant benefits when you're trying, when you're working towards resolving existing inequities, just like Biden's cleaning house and appointing a variety of members in different positions of uh, or su supporting positions, he's bringing that diversity. Um, I believe that having a First Nations Governor General will be a good step towards reconciliation. It doesn't fix the history of treaties not being honored, landed resource disputes, racial issues, but it's a start. Uh, representation and influence are are key factors in affecting change. I think the 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 um, way to resolve that is just not to pick a token, not to just pick someone hmm. who is going to be a seat filler. Like I said, pick someone from that community who has merit, who has some history, who can make a difference, who has a voice. Like you know, we talk about you know Biden saying that he wanted to you know have a woman as a VP. I mean, he could have easily picked Candace Owens. <laughs> he could have easily picked, you know, a female comedian. He could have easily picked any woman that had no merit, no right to be the vice president of the I, United I States. Knew, I think he knew when he made the statement that he didn't intend to do that. But that's, but that's, you open it up to that type of interpretation. Like, I don't even think he needed to make the statement to begin with. And Rob, I think that's completely different than what you're talking about here. Um, but I don't even think he needed to make the statement to begin with. Like, if you have women that you are thinking about for a VP, just pick the woman. We don't need some yeah. grandiose statement. Yeah, I agree I with agree. that. I, I actually, I still agree with it, even though I'm still making the counterpoint. Uh, but uh, Daria Winter says, <laughs> no, no, no. He was not pandering. Women nor people of color have, uh, nor people of color have not overlooked, not been overlooked because they are unqualified. These are the excuses people use to ignore qualified women and minorities. Like when it says, but I disagree. I, I disagree. Fine. I disagree, Daria. I know you. Respectfully. Mike Winter says genocide in Canada versus genocide in the U.S. was pretty much the same, as far as I know. Maybe not in the coldest part. I don't know if it was the same. I don't know uh, from. Well, the numbers are different. Yeah. The numbers are right. like the population numbers are different. So, and okay. again, I don't, I don't think we should compare. That's not something. Uh, yeah, we I should agree do. with you. We shouldn't. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jacqueline Robinson says Biden and his team seriously vetted potential running mates before deciding to say that. Um, Liana Jones says not just Black or Asian American girls, all girls. Uh, George Fournier said excellent point, Gianni. Excellent point. Uh, Vanessa G says would be a good step to reconciliation. However, First Nations people do not necessarily pay homage to the Queen, nor recognize the Queen's power in Canada. So there right, is a yeah. conflict of interest. All right, now speak on it. Speak on it. Excellent point, Vanessa. Excellent point. All right, we got to get on to the next hot topic. We are way behind on time. All right.
All right, Gianni, you're going to tell us about this carbon capture technology. Is this truth, lies, or shenanigans? Um, these are some lies. Well, I, I consider them lies. You guys can judge for yourself. Okay. So, Elon Musk, a.k.a. billionaire Tesla chief, proposes $100 million for the best carbon capture technology. Um, so he made an announcement last week. He tweeted that he's promising to drop more details this week in regards to um, anybody that can come up with this technology. Uh, the tweet received a large buzz on Twitter because a lot of people were saying, like, retorting back, they were saying, um, how about planting a tree? That's my, you know, that's my submission. So the, I wanted to tie this also to Biden, the newly sworn in president. He's pledged to accelerate the development of carbon capture technology as part of this like plan for um, tackling climate change at this time. So on Thursday, he named Jennifer Wilcox, an expert in carbon removal technologies, um, as the principal duty, um, principal deputy assistant for fossil energy in the US Department of Energy. So my question to you guys, do you think that we need more oh okay do you believe that we need carbon capture technology or other alternatives for this climate control dilemma can i um can i actually start sure yeah All right. so um but just to be clear basically um they're creating these huge plants to pull carbon dioxide from the air right so you know and using your chemistry classes they combine it with some solutions and then when when it the carbon when it the carbon the carbon dioxide in the air hits these solutions, it creates these pellets called calcium bicarbonate, and then these pellets can be used to be stored energy, or they can actually be converted into a fuel source. Now, the fuel source using this as a fuel source is referred to as carbon neutral, because the carbon is released carbon that the fuel releases is basically the same carbon that was already in the air before, right? So it's considered carbon neutral. So it's not actually reducing the amount of carbon. Um, and then also the oil companies have gotten involved. So the oil companies are trying to use, figure out how to use the, this, utilize the technology. They've actually figured out how to use the, the carbon dioxide that's pulled from the air to kind of push the oil up faster um, or mm -hmm. easier so that they can get more oil production. And on top of that, if you really consider it, it takes power to power these carbon plants. So oftentimes they're using power from the grid, which means we're using um, carbon dioxide from coal plants and things like that. There are some using solar and wind. Um, but most importantly to me, when, I, when, when you sent this article, was, you know, we know how greed works, right? So let's say the oil companies get involved in this. and these carbon, you know, extraction plants could potentially get to the point if the fuel becomes really easy to make, really effective, they could potentially over farm the CO2 out of the air in time, right? Let's say this, um, let's say Elon Musk's plan works and a hundred million dollars and they find this thing that makes carbon dioxide the next fuel of the future. And all we're doing is pulling carbon dioxide from the air. Do you know what happens when they pull too much carbon dioxide from the air? The exact opposite of what's happening with global warming. And so then we'll be talking about how 
you know, the, uh, you know, yeah, right. We're talking about an ice age and how we destroyed the planet all over again because of these. I just feel like these oil companies being involved is a big problem for me. And it's sort of like, you remember when we used to talk about paper, you know, paper, we had all this paper and we're, we're destroying all the trees and we had the paperwork reduction act and all. And then, you know, then all now we're making like, instead of the plastic straws, now we're using paper straws, right? So now paper has become the new thing and it's just going to be a matter of time. We're overproducing paper straws. It's like a never ending cycle of trying to manage all of the problems in our environment that humans are creating. The problem is the humans. (laughs) So, I mean, I think the biological means are the best ways. I think we should consider um, planting more trees, you know, make that a bigger focus. I mean, I know it's a focus, but, um, and not putting the CO2 in the air in the first place. That's where I stand. So very quickly, um, you alluded to um, having too much CO2 in the air causing the reverse of what our intent would be in that well, it would go into global freezing, if you will. Right, if you so start taking out to, too I, much CO2. I just want to let everyone know that um, one of my favorite shows on the planet, The Twilight Zone, um, was very clairvoyant in this idea. They had an episode, I believe, back in 1965 called The Midnight Sun, in which the sun became so hot that it produced 100 degree temperatures on the earth and started melting and burning everything. So the episode is is talking about how people are trying to um, go north, you know, where it's a little bit cooler, what they were trying to do to get away from the sun. And eventually, of course, everyone in theory would have burned. But then, you know, in true Rod Serling fashion, the um, protagonist of the story, she kind of shifted and woke up from the dream of the earth burning. And it was the complete opposite. It was the earth freezing. And so this is something, I mean, we're talking about it a lot now, but this is something, again, I think, the world of Rod Serling, the creator of the Twilight Zone, I think he was clairvoyant on a lot of these issues. This was something that he put in episode back in the 60s. Um, as it relates to Gianni's topic and the question that she has for the panel, um, this is one of those topics that I really don't know a lot about. So I'm, you know, listening to uh, Gianni. All the time. My bad listening to neo and what you know they are trying the information they're giving us on this topic i guess first and foremost do i really think the idea is worth 100 million dollars no um not when we you know especially during a pandemic when we have people who are unemployed you know people are starving they can't pay their rent or whatever and that's not to say that elon musk isn't you know um doing more in philanthropy and giving money to other places but i'm just like you could get the same response for 50 million dollars for 10 million dollars um 100 million dollars is a lot of money well, it's and gonna cost it's, a lot of money to um to develop the but technology. he has it. Like he's he's the world's richest person now, right? Yeah. No, no. Uh, Bezos is the I'm world's talking richest about- person. Bezos. Bezos bumped uh, oh, him just last him week. Beat. Yeah, got him. Beat. He just bumped, like it, it fluctuates so much. I can't I keep know, up. Bezos you know, Bezos is going to hold on to it. Like, right, Robbie Rock. Uh, Robbie Rock. Two dollars in the you bank. You know, I'm just like, whoop! I, I can't even fathom. <laughs> you know, a thousand yeah. billion dollars. But yeah, yeah. go ahead, Rob. 
So the oil companies becoming involved isn't as big a threat as you might envision, Neo, because if they're capturing the carbon emissions and we're using them as fuel and that's carbon neutrality, that's a huge win because we do know that there's a there's too strong a concentration of greenhouse gases. Um, using natural means is fine and dandy, and it's a great idea long term, but humans live in very short term terms. We think in, in the term of a century, if you will. My lifetime, if I'm lucky, is a century. So what's going to happen over 100 years of my life? Well, if I want to see a solution for global warming, for the greenhouse gases, I'm going to have to implement something that's aggressive in my lifetime because we can plant all the trees that we want, but if it's if we're already behind the eight ball on it, it's not enough. So we do need to step in. And if we can reuse a lot of that that byproduct, uh, because a lot, of in, a lot of industrial byproduct has been wasted up until very recently in the industrial age. We are now capturing a lot of these toxic products, these byproducts, and making something productive out of it. So I can appreciate the concern about over-farming CO2, but that's something that has to be part of the long-term plan and development when and you're right once the capitalists get involved and they want to make their buck then unfortunately they're not thinking of the plebes and the long-term effects of their decisions but we do need to 30 seconds 30 seconds if you can knock it out we're going to get to this uh again um so yeah basically all in all i do feel like we should plant more trees of course i'm always advocating planting more trees but also i think that it would be interesting to see a possible technology, a new technology that captures it. Um, but I would, I would, I would like to see like an alternative, not something that takes carbon dioxide to make or capture carbon. Like I'm not into the tech stuff of it, so I have no idea. But something that's a little bit more green effective, something a little bit more environment conscious type of a technology besides planting trees. So I still think we need to focus more on wind and solar and improving that technology. Personally, all right um that is uh well let's see let's get a couple of comments online really quick so if we're using co2 this is kevin thax and the reason it's using co2 for fuel will cars be fitted with breathalyzers or straws to start cars <laughs> jose says you're absolutely right at neo it's because of us and now uh, mike winter points out but paper is recyclable um so all right thank you for the comments online sorry we're running out of time but that's it for hot topics great hot topics Shenanigans. All right, we're going to get into our game show, and hopefully Nikki Yee is still sticking around. Nikki, are you with us? There she is. There she is. All right, Lizzie, you get to go first on this one. So let me see if I can explain our game to everybody. I'm so sad. <laughs> All right, today's game is from the app Five Second Guess. I'll read off a phrase or question such as, for example, name three Italian foods, and you'll have five seconds to respond. If the answers are good, we'll select nailed it, or if not, we'll select failed it. And I am the judge. For example, if one of your three answers for Italian food is cereal, that's a fail. <laughs> All right, each nail that gets a point, person with the most points wins. And we are starting off again with Liz E. All right, Liz E. The question, the thing is, you have five seconds to respond. Name three stinky things. 
Um, three stinky things. So, a, de a, a deteriorating dead body. Um, shit, obviously. <laughs> All right. Failed it. Failed it. You even had like a little extra time. Five seconds. Five seconds. Oh. oh. The third response would be Reggie Bush's breath. Stank breath. <laughs> All right. Robbie, your turn. Name three uses for your tongue starting now. Taste, touch, love. All right. Taste, touch, love. Okay, we'll go with it. I'm a little if you're in love. We'll go with it. Nailed it. All right. All right, Gianna, your turn. Name three nighttime activities right now. This is Sunday, um, right? Sleeping, watching TV, and... Oh, you missed the last one. Not in time. Failed it. This Nikki, time, it's Nikki, stupid. you're up. You only have five seconds, Nikki. You ready? Yep. Name three things at hand. Okay. Close right. me and the boys. All right. <laughs> Close me and the boys. She's on it. <laughs> I couldn't even start the timer. <laughs> you better hope the boys hang. <laughs> she nailed it. She nailed it. All right. <laughs> and the boys. <laughs> All right. So Rob V and Nikki are in the lead. All right. Next round all right lizzie name three experiences that are better when drunk starting now cussing folks out um paying bills and looking in the mirror. oh you got it right in time right in time all right good job nailed it all right robbie oh this should be this should be fun name three gay men robbie starting now. neil patrick harris my son Zachary and my son-in-law Alex. Son-in-law, okay. That's very good. Nailed it. Well done. All right. Yanni Storm, name three signs that he or she is into you. Starting now. Um, always touching you, flirting, and saying it. Wait, say what? what? Wait, I need to make sure I understood heard that properly. Hold on. Okay. He's always touching you. He's He's, he's always touching you. He's flirting or he outright says it. Oh, he says it. Oh, I, thought, oh, I thought you said something else. Okay, okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <did> you <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> All right, Nikki. Name three things you don't want to hear the doctor say starting now. You have COVID. I'm going to give you a shot. You have cancer. <laughs> oh, was, <laughs> nailed it. All right. <laughs> The shot one eh, as a diabetic, the shot one doesn't bother me at all. I take six shots a day. <laughs> she might that's be scared of the shots. She might be scared. Uh, that's that's this is the last round. This is the last round. I'm not scared either, but I know some people are, so I just went with it. <laughs> all right, so this is the last round. So we're going to see how we do. End of round two. Lizzie one, Rob two, Gianni one. Look at that cheating, Gianni. He's cheating on us. You see, he's cheating. <laughs> well, you can tie it up at least. You I'll can at least tie it up if both Nikki and Rob don't get good answers. Are right, you ready? I mean, since I, I failed too, so I'm out. So it should be them three. No, no, no. You can still tie it up if okay. they don't get the answers. All right, so you ready? Okay. You got the second one, Gianni. You got the second one. <laughs> no, she, she got one. Oh. All right, Lizzie, name three scents that are turn on starting now. 
um, punani, um, bacon and eggs, and Ooh. pizza. Oh, no, you didn't make it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna let you have it. I'm gonna let you have it. It was close enough. It was close enough. You got it like it was right on the edge. All right, Robbie. Name three things that you wish you could happen at the push of a button. Starting now. Write a hit song. Get a diet coke. Uh get money. <laughs> okay, all right. You said the last one, get money? You said get yeah. money. Diet Coke. Diet Coke reference to Trump. I got that. I caught the reference. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. All right. Gianni Storm, name three places you should not drink. Starting now. Perch, um, the delivery room, and pool. Oh, failed it. Failed it. Didn't get the last one in time. Can I just say, our church for communion had actual red wine. So we were drinking in church. Yeah, we were yeah, drinking. I'm half Serbian. And I can confirm that the church that my family went to had a bar above it. So, <laughs> <laughs> like it was the very Eastern Euro thing. So. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Church before. <laughs> All right. Uh, right here. All right. So, we're going to. So, unfortunately, Johnny, you failed that one. But, Nikki Yee, this is to tie it up with Rob B. All right. Okay. And then we're gonna do one more, just you two. Are you ready? Name three people who are famous for a stupid reason. Starting now. Trump, Kellyanne Conway, Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> she she just went down the list of Trumpers. Kim, Chloe, um, what's the other Kardashians. All right, this is our final round. Final round. This is between Nikki and Rob B. Nikki and Rob B. This is for all the marbles. So, by the way, Nikki, so the person who wins the uh, game, it's the final thought for the show. Oh, wow. Just to close out the show. Oh, that's, that's, the, that's the win. All right. So, we're going to say nailed it. All right. So, all right. So, three, three, three. All right. Ready? Rob B. Yeah, man. We're, to skip, we're skipping her. Oh, no, we're skip, skipping Liz. Oh, no, 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 no. All right. That's it. Yeah, yeah, so it, it, it has you already in there. All right, you ready? So we're going to go. Robbie, name three reasons to have a drink. Oh, my God, so easy. <laughs> Celebration, depression, and... <laughs> oh, it. Robbie's not a drinker. Robbie's like me. He's not a drinker. All right, so failed it. All right, it so this is the chance. It, it, said, it said a drink. It didn't say alcoholic drink. It said a drink. All right, Nikki. Oh, this is good. I'm just going to go with this one, Nikki. Name three turn on starting now. Pizza, tacos. Hot socialist white men. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Nailed it. All right. Good job, Nikki. Good job. Nikki wins the game. All right, then you have to stick around for the final thought, Nikki. So stick around for just a little bit longer. <laughs> all right. I know any socialist white men. I don't think I've I've, I've met one yet. Um, Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. Uh oh, sexy. No, Bernie Sanders no, is sexy. No, no. 
right. You're right back, Nikki. Hold on. <laughs> we always close out the game for some shout outs, so we got to get some shout outs in, guys. Let's get some All right, any shout outs? Any shout outs for Gianni Storm? Shout outs. Yes, shout out to everybody who is going to be participating in the TLS Creatives Contest. Um, so we are calling on all artists, graphic designers, digital content creators, anybody with a creative idea, send in a submission. If you never know, you might win some new gear and an Echo Dot. So, nice. yeah. All right, Robbie Rock, shout out. Ah, uh, shout out to the Canadians who have tuned in this evening to check out Nikki Yee and uh, maybe me. I don't know. But yeah, shout out to George. No, they probably didn't check time. you out at Great all. Amazing. And uh, yeah, definitely shout out to Nikki for joining us today and performing her song. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Nikki. So quick shout out to my little ones from another mother, uh, my bestie, her son, Jalen, turned six this week. And then my goddaughter, Savannah, turned 19 yesterday. So major shout outs to you guys. Nice, nice. Nikki Yee, any shout outs for you? Well, I just want to give a shout out to the host of the show for having me. And as we love having you. Shout out to everyone here because it's been really fun and I really appreciate you guys having me on and I've had such a good time playing games and singing with you. So awesome. shout out to yes. you. All right, I'm shout out right back at you. And I always shout out to my wife. So that's my shout out. Mel, love you. That's my shout out. Taking a vacation soon. So looking forward to that. <laughs> a much needed vacation. So all right. That's it for our shout out. All right, so that's all the time we have. I'd like to thank all of you guys for joining us. We hope that maybe you learned something new, gained a new perspective, even got some things off your chest. Don't forget, we need your support to keep this going. Like, follow, and subscribe at TLS Live Show. If you missed any of today's episodes, check our clips online on YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe to the audio replay of the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Alexa. Just search Truth Live Shenanigans. Had a fun time. I hope you guys did too. The next live show is on Sunday, January 27th, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Special thanks to our guest, Nikki Yee. Please make sure you check out her EP on Spotify, The Key of Yee, and her single, Radicalize. Find her, also find her couch concerts on Instagram at Nikki Yee Bo Show. All right, so Nikki, you get to close us out for the day. Final thoughts, any final thoughts, anything you want to say? I personally, having final thoughts makes me feel so much like Gary Springer right now. I'm obsessed with that. Yes. <laughs> Rob, Gary you are not Yes, he yes. is. Yes, he is. Don't lie. <laughs> well, yes, I guess my final thought is to wear a mask, support the local businesses, and that capitalism is evil. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Final leave y'all with. <laughs> all right. Thank you again, Nikki, for joining us. Have a great time. We'll see you guys on Wednesday.
Truth, truth, lies, 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 shenanigans, truth, lies, truth. <laughs> I think we lost Sneaky. I meant I should have asked her to hang out, but she probably had somewhere to go. That was fun. That was fun. I love time. musical performances. I want more more performances. That was actually very fun. Yeah, there were, we had some really big bad sound issues. Um, there was a lot of feedback on on. Uh, I think it was coming mostly from Nikki though. Um, I think it was coming from her because uh, I was watching the I was watching the, um, the audio feedback and it, it, I'm pretty sure it was coming from her. Um, but you know, what can we do? Okay. Good show, good show. I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know about that white socialist penis, though. Like that's not that's not a thing. I was hoping she was gonna hang out. I've never heard and any complaints. I said for me, Rob, not Jose. I said for me. Um, and also, I wouldn't be. Hyped about a black socialist penis, like yeah. <laughs> someone doesn't like socialism. So, so it's the socialist thoughts. It's clearly, it's not the white or black. It's just the socialism <laughs> part. I know. Exactly. <laughs> she doesn't want any of that socialist sauce. Not in a country of 370 million people. It does not work here. Yes, it worked in Finland. It does not work uh, here. I don't know. Yes, socialism works. Socialism works. It does. It does. Redistribution of wealth to the masses. Absolutely. And you know what? Tiered socialism works. Depending on your level of contribution to the state and the wellness of everybody else, tiered socialism. Because if you're if you are a leader, if you are a captain of industry, you are contributing more than the person who is receiving a government stipend to stay at home. It sounds like a clearly defined cat class system though. Again, that's what I'm saying. Tiered socialism. That's, I mean, it, it sounds like a clearly defined class system, though. It's effective in small populations. I don't think it would work well in a population of nearly 400 million people. And that was one of my issues with Bernie Sanders. He kept using the Scandinavian model. And as someone who lives in Scandinavia, I'm like, you do realize that people in Finland pay almost 50% of their income in taxes. The Americans now don't want to pay the current tax rate in Finland. How much do you guys pay in your country, in, in the States or in Canada, Rob, if you get a traffic ticket, if you get a ticket for driving or for parking? It depends on the violation. It depends on the violation. I mean, I know that in Canada, we do, we don't pay high taxes like the Norwegian Scandinavian countries do, but we pay more taxes than our American counterparts. And if you talk to me about taxes, I'm not going to lose my fucking mind. Like I've seen so <laughs> many Americans do. That's my money. No, Christ, you live in this country. You have a responsibility to support the systems and the infrastructure that society needs. And so many selfish individuals don't get that. No, no, and that's no, it's 
but it's not all selfishness because Americans aren't taxed fairly. Like a billionaire is taxed the same amount or the same percentage as someone who is making $10 an hour. But